Welcome to Double Booked, your place for library news, book recommendations, and reading banter hosted by Wilmington Memorial Librarians Charlotte Wood and Aaron Driscoll. We are broadcasting from the WCTV Community Television Studios in Wilmington, Massachusetts. We want to thank WCTV for allowing us to use their facility and equipment. And today's episode, which is number eight for us, uh, focuses on Mothers in Fiction in honor of Mother's Day. And to start out, we're going to mention a few famous mothers that have come to mind. And I'm going to lead off with, of (laughs) course, being a Jane Austen fan, I have to just work one of those in, is Mrs. Bennett from Pride and Prejudice, um, again by Jane Austen. So uh, Jane uh, described her character, Mrs. Bennett, as a woman of mean understanding, little information, and uncertain temper. So that kind of gives you a flavor of who Mrs. Bennett is. She's the mother of five daughters, uh, the most famous being Elizabeth Bennett, of course, who falls in love with Darcy. And But Mrs. Bennett is a mother that is a little bit cringeworthy. Elizabeth <laughs> and her older sister Jane are often embarrassed by her. She talks loudly, she gossips, she's uh, inappropriate, and her nerves often get the best of her. She's teased, uh, maybe more than teased, by her husband, which also embarrasses the older girls. Um, But, you know, to Mrs. Bennett's credit, even though she um, uh, does have her flaws— She is determined to get her five daughters married because you have to remember back in the back in the day, getting married was really the the best option for women in terms of financial security. And uh, the home was entailed to a cousin. And if Mr. Bennett died, they were all going to be left in poverty. So Mrs. Bennett does do her duty as a mother and does her best to try to uh, find um, husbands for her daughters. But anyway. She's one of those famous mothers that you you don't forget. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, of course, um, comes to mind for me is uh, Marmy from Little Women, mm. which yep. I'll admit um, I have never read Little Women. So, for me, <laughs> Marmy is always going to be Susan Sarandon in the 1990s um, <laughs> film adaptation. But, you know, strong mother character really keeping her family together um, while her husband is... Um, off at war. Really. Right, civil, the Civil War, yeah. right. And she's uh, loved by her daughters. She's really the sort of the quintessential mother figure, you know, warm, caring, kind, um, has it together, keeps the family together, you know, right while the dad's away. And, uh, yeah, so Marmy, very famous mother. Another one is uh, Marilla Cuthbert from Anne of Green Gables, I read, I, I had not read Anne of Green Gables when I was a child, uh, but I read it just last year and I, it was really one of my favorites. Uh, it's, I guess that's a, the, uh, one of the hallmarks of a classic that it uh, stands the test of time. It certainly did for me. But, and that's by uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery wrote um, Anne of Green Gables. And, but Marilla and her brother Matthew, I believe are in their early 60s when they decide to adopt a young boy. Um, to help them with the farm, but instead they get a little redheaded girl, a, a miscommunication with the person that was bringing the child to them. And of course, it takes a while for Marilla to understand Anne and for Anne to understand Marilla, but they do form a very, and, and Matthew is understands Anne kind of right off the bat, but they form a very strong family unit. And Marilla is, you know, a, really a wonderful mother to Anne um, in the end, you know, yes, kind of yes. what she needed. Yeah. 
And I've seen a little bit of, um, there's a newer, like, Netflix series, and with an E. That's, oh, yep, uh, right. Gables, and that's been right. really lovely, too. It's such a kind of a cozy book to read. It's a, yes. It's a, it's a joy. Yeah, and also the Megan Fellows, uh, in the, it was in the 1980s um, series of Anna Green Gables that I think would still be a, a wonderful series to watch. Yeah. yeah. So, and then there's that last one that we were going to mention, Erin, from... Oh, yes. I said yes. that I would be remiss if I did not mention, um, you know, millennials, people my age. I think iconic mom is uh, Mrs. Weasley from the Harry Potter books. Um, she becomes <laughs> sort of a... Well, she already has like a ton of <laughs> children, but she also be kind of a strong mother figure for the more uh, motherless children in the book, too. Right. Uh, like Harry Potter. So. Right. Yeah. And the last one... Cinderella stepmother. Oh, Cinderella stepmother. And yes. did you know that she actually had a name? Lady Tremaine. I did not know that. I did not know that. <laughs> but, you know, we don't have to say a lot about Cinderella's stepmother to know that there are those evil, evil sort of mother figures in fiction. And she's one of yes. them. Yes. Yes. I think she really kind of echoes throughout fiction. I was um, talking with Charlotte earlier about how uh, I think the Dutch House by uh, Ann Patchett has a lot of uh, Cinderella vibes. <laughs> um, That's true. Evil stepmother comes in with her own right. uh, two kids and right yes. and pushes the other the two other out. Two out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. Yes. Right. That's true. It must be mentioned. <laughs> so then we have a couple of books that we would like to talk about. You want to? You want to go first, Erin? Sure. Sure. Um, you know, when I was thinking of books to recommend for Mother's Day, I, I was like racking my brain because. I, I don't know that I read a lot of books that really center moms or, or motherhood, um, but I did think of this is actually a memoir that my mother and I both loved, <laughs> um, even though it features a pretty problematic mother-daughter relationship. <laughs> it is um, Wild Game, My Mother, Her Lover, and Me. It's a memoir by Adrienne Brodeur. Um, she, it really reads like fiction. Uh, Adrienne is she has this really narrative, like cinematic style of writing, like most of the books written in kind of scenes. So it's easy to, to plow right through. Um, and essentially, uh, when she's 14 years old, um, on the same night, actually, that she has her first kiss with like a neighbor boy, <laughs> neighborhood boy, um, her mother, Malabar, uh, confides in her that she's started an affair with her husband's best friend and kind of enlists Adrian into this secret and into helping cover for their affair. Mm, um, that's heavy burden for a child. Yes, a hugely heavy burden. Um, and she keeps this secret for years, for over a decade. And it just, you know, continue as secrets do, it continues to really build and, and spiral out of control. And What's, what's that, um, oh, what a tangled web we weave? Yes, right? yes. <laughs> um, so it is, it's a really interesting look at a you know parent-child dynamic uh she also goes a little into her own mother's like fraught relationship with her grandmother and um you know at the time of publishing the book adrian berger's daughter is about the same age she was at the mm -hmm. start and sort of seeing how young she truly was when when her mother drew her into her confidence this way um so it is a very <laughs> Gossipy, hard to put down book. Um, it, as we head into the warmer months, I think it's a perfect book for like a beach bag. A lot of it takes place on Cape Cod and like really hmm. captures uh, summer there. And 
it's an excellent book club book. There's a lot to talk about there. Um, my mom and I have both pushed this into a lot of hands of friends and <laughs> I family wanted, members. I wanted to read it because we had the author. Yes. Uh, you hosted her within the last couple of years. I can't remember exactly it was, when. It was in 2020. It was one of yeah. our very early virtual programs. Oh, yep. And it, it's you can still watch it. It's on YouTube. Um, so I get to pick a local book club book for my book club and I think this is I kept racking my brain I think I would like to pick this one then we can all watch the interview too so that'd be wonderful yes you know it's it's juicy there's a lot to talk about there (laughs) you know your remarks uh, we were both going to say a little bit about our mothers I I had a a wonderful mother but uh, my father passed away when I was 12 and my mother worked as a school teacher and she you know was widowed and um, I had two brothers but uh, she'd come home and she Sometimes just wanted somebody to talk to. Now, she never burdened me with things like an affair, but, you know, but just talk to me like, as you would want to talk to someone, you know, about how work went or whatever. And I do remember feeling, I, I never felt burdened by it, but I do remember feeling a little more a sense of responsibility because I was in that role of a, a sounding board, you know, yeah, but yeah. I can't even imagine uh, Adrian's uh, feelings about that. that. Um, yes. Secret she was it asked. It is to. quite the spot to put yeah. your yeah. your teen into. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, when I was thinking of books about mothers, um, this one you might not might not come to mind. And this is um, a well known book. Uh, won the Pulitzer Prize in uh, two thousand and nine. It's Olive Kitteridge by Elizabeth Strout, and then there was a sequel, Olive Again. Uh, but what brought it to mind is her relationship with her son Chris, which is, I guess you'd use the word fraught. It's you know has. Uh, you know, she loves him, and I think he loves her, but they don't really understand each other very well. Olive is a retired school teacher in Maine. Uh, she, I guess some would say she's kind of hard to like. Her husband, on the other hand, is a very easygoing kind of a guy. Um, but you get to know Olive through these kind of a series of stories, and that's how uh, the book is put together. And these stories feature people from the community. It's a small town. And Olive might play just a passing role in these stories, or she might play a prominent role. But through these windows, these story, I'm going to call them story windows, you get a complete picture of Olive and, and what she's like. And so by the end of the book, you have a good idea of what her relationship is like with her husband, her son, you know, just how she's viewed in town. And, uh, you know, some people get her and some people don't. But anyway, her relationship with her son, Chris, is probably fairly realistic. She's not a marmy, definitely. She's not Cinderella's stepmother, Lady Tremaine, but she's somewhere in between, just not, um, you know, just a, a, just, it's not one of these warm, fuzzy relationships with an adult son and his mother. Uh, It's uh, one that is, um, you know, just, um, they've got to try to keep managing it. And Olive does hit wrong notes with him, and she doesn't realize how she hurts him, you know, and she doesn't see her, her own self and her own behavior. But so anyway, Olive Kitteridge, Olive again, uh, not not it's not all about the mother son relationship, but definitely it's there and part of the book. Yeah. Sure. Um, my <laughs> next book recommendation is the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires <laughs> by Grady Hendrix, um, which I know maybe doesn't. <laughs> not jump to the forefront of many people's minds. Sure, vampires and mothers. I I think that's that's a connection. (laughs) Um, But it it is sort of an an ode to um, Grady Hendrix's own uh, mom. Uh, You know, a man moves into a largely kind of upper class 
uh, upper middle class, I should say, neighborhood in like the 1990s in uh, just South Carolina. And the moms in a local book club there kind of figure out that he is actually a vampire that is preying on local children. Uh, however, their children, husbands, and the local authorities are completely dismissive of their concerns. Um, they just think they're crazy, and so they kind of have to take things into their, their own hands. <laughs> um, and uh, I just, I love Grady Hendrix's books in in general. Uh, he's like a real master at writing horror books that are equal parts funny and scary. Uh, you'll find yourself like laughing your way right into a jump scare. <laughs> like, um, and... Uh, for this book, he was inspired by his own mother and her friends. Uh, he admits in his author note that he was always kind of dismissive of her um, growing up. He kind of just thought of her as, oh, she's a housewife who goes to all these book clubs and like picks me up from school. And that's that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> but obviously growing up, you know, he realizes that she had a lot more on her plate than that. <laughs> um and he writes that, uh, with this book, I wanted to pit a man freed from all responsibilities but his appetites against women whose lives are shaped by their endless responsibilities. I wanted to pit Dracula against my mom. As you'll see, it's not a fair fight. <laughs> <laughs> Never underestimate those mothers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, that sounds like a fun one. It is. It, I should say it is. It's very funny and campy and, like, soaked in 90s nostalgia, but it is also genuinely pretty scary. So if you, like, cannot handle horror <laughs> at all, like, it might not be uh, for you. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I loved it. Uh, Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. That's a good one. Um, the book, the next book I'd like to talk about, it's a biography. It's called The Color of Water, A Black Man's Tribute to His White Mother. Uh, it's by James McBride. It was written in 1995, and that's when I read it. So it's been a long time, but I went back and I reviewed it. It did, you know. I I remember. It's funny how you can read things and you can't remember them the next week. But this book, a lot of it did, you know, it it, it stayed with me. It's also now you'll find it on high school reading lists. It's been around a long time. It still sells. It's you know, it's not. I don't know if I'd call it a classic, but it definitely has staying power. But James McBride. Um, he, he was a journalist, and then he was also a musician, but he felt um, kind of at some point he needed to figure out his mother and his mother's story to kind of understand himself. Um, and so he it took him a long, I think it took him a while in order to sort of pull these stories out of his mother and to kind of piece together her life. But his mother uh, was born in Poland, uh, but came over to the United States when she was two. And she was the daughter of an itinerant rabbi and a loving but disabled mother who spoke no English. I guess she was more of the passive of the two parents. Um, and she uh, was then raised in Virginia in the South. And she felt that the white community didn't really accept them or her she, and her family. She felt, I guess, very distanced, of course, from her father uh, and didn't like how he treated the black community. And she actually, I was just looking online, she actually had a relationship with a young black man uh, in Virginia, but she she decided to leave her family and, and left. And she went to Harlem. And in 1941, she married a black man. And they went on to have eight children. They founded a church. It was, a, I guess, a very happy marriage. But when she was pregnant with her eighth child, which is James McBride, the author, uh, her uh, the uh, he, the husband died just before James was born. 
And even though, so it was, it was hard and there was poverty and hardships, but he, you know, she forged ahead. She remarried another, I guess, a very wonderful man and had four more children. So she had a dozen children. Uh, they all went to school uh, or, or all went to college. Of course, they went to school. They went and, and she would find the best schools. And one of his um, questions for her is like, you know, he always had to go where the white students were. So I guess he always felt a little bit like an outsider, but these were the better schools and education was very important to her. And the author recounts a conversation he had with his mother and he asks her, am I black or am I white? And she, her answer to him is, you're a human being. Educate yourself or you'll be a nobody. So that kind of gives you an idea of where she was coming from. Um, but she um, was really qu quite a remarkable woman. She never did really connect with her Jewish family. They rejected her, and she'd rejected them, and I think it was always a little bit of a heartbreak for her. But she went on to have uh, a very rich life and, of course, a, a very rich life in terms of family and children. Um, so it's, he, it's kind of a high tribute to his mother, this biography, and his life. Yep. So that's The Color of Water, A Black Man's Tribute to His White Mother by James McBride. Excellent. I've never, I've never read that one. I'll have to mm -hmm. add it to my list. Mm -hmm. um, when I was kind of racking my brain for uh, books that's kind of centered moms and, and motherhood, um, there were a few that came up that I, I'm not going to give long descriptions because they are modern classics or at least, you know, as you said, Charlotte, have had staying power. They've mm -hmm. been in the public conversation. But if you hadn't have a chance to read them. I do recommend uh, Little Fires Everywhere uh, by Celeste Ng is a great book mm -hmm. that, you know, a great look at <laughs> motherhood and, and uh, who is a mother and, and, and just all comes at it from a lot of angles. Um, and it is also just a great read. Uh, Where'd You Go Bernadette uh, by Maria Simple um, is you know, uh, this mother who's become sort of a agoraphobe, never leaves her house, uh, kind of disappears before she's supposed to go on a family trip. Uh, and her daughter kind of uh, investigates where she might have gone and, and learns a lot about her mother that she never knew, kind of uh, from all her emails and transcripts and documents. Um, that's a great one. There's also a movie that I have to say. Charlotte, I did not love. <laughs> um, I felt like the movie, the book's a lot more on Bernadette's side. I, well, sometimes movies disappoint. <laughs> they disappoint. Um, and then, of course, uh, Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Mm -hmm. Also a great look at uh, mothers and their, their children, their daughters. Uh, so if you hadn't read those, I do endorse, recommend. <laughs> and I'm going to end with um, one little book. It's a children's book that I used to read to my children, The Runaway Bunny by Margaret Wise Brown. And it tells the story of a young bunny who keeps running away and his mother keeps finding him. And I would point that out to my children, that I'll always kind of be there and I'll always find you. Okay. So it's a wonderful little board book. Uh, and Margaret Wise Brown is also the author of Good Night Moon. So a couple oh, of classic of uh, children's books there. But uh, so uh, we anything else, Erin, you'd like to add? Or is it, oh, no? no, just, yeah. um, you know, check our calendar. Uh, this is coming out in May, May 2nd. Um, and we have a series of programs lined up for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month and, um, right. you know, also other social, like, you right. know, uh, Walk and talks in right. the, the cemetery. And we're starting our concerts back, our afternoon concerts, third Thursday of the month at two thirty. We'll try those in May and June. We hope you all come out. Yes. 
us and, and more um, crafts and, and things right. like that. So, And we'd like to uh, wish all mothers a happy Mother's Day. Yes, yeah. happy Mother's Day, yeah. Mom. <laughs> Here comes the spring. Yeah, yes. we're ready. We're Woo-hoo. ready for it. <laughs> 